everyone, and welcome to another Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. Grateful to have you here on another episode, and I got an awesome guest today by the name of Brandon Fong, who is the host of the Seven Figure Millennials podcast. I want to read a quick bio on Brandon, and then we're going to jump into the episode. Brandon Fong is a husband to his high school sweetheart, Leah, and is on a mission to create a more deeply connected world. While growing up on the government-provided free lunch program at school, Brandon realized that his most valuable resource wasn't money. It was his relationships. This is why, at his core, Brandon is a connector of people, ideas, and resources. Before age 26, Brandon leveraged his skill of connection to become a published author, run the marketing for an online education company with 250,000-plus students, travel to 23 countries with his wife, get featured on TV, and launch his podcast, Seven Figure Millennials, to a top 2% global ranking in less than a year. Every week, Brandon interviews elite performers with eclectic backgrounds to discover how he and his audience can prioritize their happiness, health, and relationships while making their entrepreneurial dreams a reality. Brandon is on his own path to build his first seven-plus-figure business while staying in alignment with the 7FM values and sharing what he learns along the way. Past guests include Olympians, an illusionist, a decorated air fighter pilot, a hypnotist, former drug dealers turned legal millionaires, a Hollywood storytelling legend, New York Times bestselling authors, main stage TED speakers, seven, eight, and nine plus figure entrepreneurs, and even a shark from Shark Tank. Brandon is also the creator of the Magic Connection Method, a system that helps founders and CEOs to leverage a podcast to build real relationships with dream clients and strategic partners that lead to more profits and greater impact. He loves having new and incredible experiences with Leah, enjoying a good batch of homemade kombucha, and playing spike ball. And I hope you all enjoy this conversation. I know I did. Um, We actually had such a good discussion prior to the start of the podcast that I included that. So you'll actually notice as we roll into this episode, there's some banter at the beginning before we actually get into the, uh, the officially get into the podcast interview, but really thoughtful individual, um, out of the box thinker. I think you'll pick that up as you listen through this episode. Um, I definitely encourage y'all to check out his podcast. He does a great job with it and brings on some incredible people. Um, and he's just a good dude all around. So we've actually caught up a couple times since the podcast um, and I've enjoyed getting to know him more and, and seeing what he's trying to create in this world. So without further ado, I hope you all enjoyed my conversation today with Brandon Fong. Awesome, man. Well, I mean, I'm I'm excited to dive in today. I appreciate you and the work you're doing as the the man, the myth, the navigator himself. So uh, I just, it's a beautiful space that you play in to like help people take those first few steps. It really is. Because it's like, I, I think a lot about like, the domino or like, you know, in, in a, in a less, um, impactful way, like the gate, the gateway drug for like taking action. And I like, you know, that's like the, if you could focus on one thing. So I love that you focused on this component of the journey. It's really cool. Yeah. I appreciate it. Well, it's so funny. The, um, and I, and I, and I see you, you kind of a connector is like you call yourself, which is cool. The, uh, you know, the similar in a similar tone, right. Of how important relationships. And, and I think that was always like growing up, like empathy and, um, and kind of compassion for people, maybe because I, I was a middle child and I didn't really, you know, we can go back to, we'll lead into your story, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like all these things I, I learned as a, as a kid that kind of led me down this path. And I always realized I was like, this was like, 
I like to give back. I like to be able to help. I like to be able to kind of, you know, put others first. I, I've learned to have self-love more recently, but mm -hmm. it's so, and that's where the whole thing of like, just get started because I was in that point of when I had started my podcast, um, I was going to start one in 2015. I didn't start it until 2017. And I was looking at all the components of why, and it was because I was scared. You know, I had so much fear. What were people going to think? And so it just hit me one day. It's like, I just got to get started. And I was like, mm -hmm. wait a minute, there's got to be people like me. So why don't I be the one that starts the podcast? Now I'm proving to people you can do it. And let's bring on folks like yourself that have done this in their own capacity to prove the model out that everyone's doing it in their own way if you just get started. So yeah, that's how it, that's kind of how it yeah. jumped in. So yeah, I, I love it. And I think that the the fact that you've you've branded the whole compass and the the navigate you like you have the whole theme around it. So it's it's really cool and it can tell it's very intentional and something you care about very deeply. So always admire people that are there doing stuff like you. So it's really cool. I appreciate that, man. Well, let's just roll into it. We'll just maybe we'll add that at the beginning. Who knows? Um <laughs> we'll uh we'll we'll roll into it here because yeah, one of the things I'm was really interesting to have you on because again, going back to like you know, childhood was unique for me. I know for everyone probably has their stories, but just being a middle child and like not feeling like I belonged at all and feeling out of place. That was one thing that intrigued me with you. And, and maybe we can start here is kind of, we all have these getting started moments and we can look all the way back in life. We can, you know, might've been a week ago, people, had, you know, like, oh, something happened, but it was really interesting. The story, or maybe I'll let you share it around middle school and the kind mm -hmm. of that awareness you had which ultimately propelled you uh, maybe forward on a different path. Can we start there? Can you share a little bit about that story and um, and how that impacted you? 100%. And it's funny, I don't know what part will make it from our, our pre-chat to where we're at now, but you talked about like growing up, you, the whole connection thing. I think that lots of the strengths that have come from connection came from the trauma of like, I wanted to connect and focus on other people because I didn't want people to look at me. <laughs> and so like it came from a avoidance perspective, but it actually turned into a strength. So I'll, I guess I'll explain the, the context behind that. So I went to a relatively wealthy school district. If you, if you look it up, it's one of the wealthiest zip codes in the state where I went to school. And so I want to take our listeners back. You can be kind of like an invisible partner in this story. So we're in Mrs. Dentisi's sixth grade classroom. It's the history class. We're studying Egyptian mummification. The class is about to get over and everybody's kind of at that point where they're starting to pack their bags and they're looking up at the digital clock for to turn that one more minute for the bell to ring and everybody gets to go to lunch right and so the bell finally rings all 27 of my classmates jump to their feet and make a beeline for the cafeteria but again you're my friend that's kind of watching so you're observing the classroom you see there's one kid that did not jump to his feet that was taking his sweet time packing his bag and if you haven't guessed that kid was me and I'm sure I'm going to show Brian a, a picture right now but I'll describe it to you so I have I keep this little middle school picture branded on my desk I got Bugs Bunny Gap in front of my in my teeth kind of spectacle looking glasses and you may be wondering as this observer why would any middle schooler procrastinate on the one time a day when you get freedom you get to go to recess and hang out with your friends and the reason why is because I would go through the lunch checkout line and as I would go through my heart would start beating faster and faster as I want my watch my friends go through the line. So Matt would go through, he would type in his student ID and he always got multiple desserts. So it'd be like $6 or something like that. And then Katie would go through, got the normal lunch, whatever, 325 or whatever it was. 
And then I'd go in and I'd have that that keypad, at least when I went to school, it was a keypad. I type in my student ID, 156403. And then up on the computer screen, it would show Brandon Fong, $0.00. And, zero cents. and free lunch program. And it was super embarrassing for me because, like I said, it was a relatively wealthy school district. So it's like, I felt like my friends could just get whatever they wanted. They had all the video games. They got picked up in nice cars. We had this squeaky car with a different covered like front bumper with a missing hubcap. <laughs> and so like, you know, go back to the avoidance before, it's like, I would come up with all these ways to distract people from seeing that number on the screen. So it would be like, I would strike up a conversation at the last minute, or I would hide in the bathroom a little bit extra time. But um, you know, it was a really, really painful experience. And I never, if you would have told me future me or, or past me, I should say that I would be sharing this message or this story on a podcast, I would have said, there's no way I would ever tell that story. It was too embarrassing. But now that I've processed this as an adult and, you know, it was 13, 14 years ago now, I view that as one of my getting started moments because I realized that I wanted to make things different for myself. And I had incredible, incredible parents um, but you know, it's where the seed was planted to start to look for non-traditional ways as a middle schooler to make a difference in, in what I was doing and start connecting with people. So that's where that seed was initially planted. And that was that story you were asking for. So we can go from anywhere you want to go from there, Brian. <laughs> well, yeah. And I have a lot of questions. I guess the, the one that just comes to mind, because in, in that general sense, the logical thing, right, is, hey, we don't really have much money. I need to make money. Like that's the, that's the key to happiness. I need, if I make money, I'm not going to have these bad feelings. Hey, so I'm going to do well in school. I'm going to go get a job and I'm going to probably become insert lawyer, doctor, mm. you know, like these things that we in our mind when we're kids think, oh, I'm going to make money that way. So I'm curious, and we can go down your entrepreneurial path because I'm really, I, I want to learn more about Sizzling Ninja. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but like, you know, why did you, and, and maybe you didn't know this at the time, but like when you think back, why did you go down the entrepreneurial path? What, why was that intriguing? Did you have some people around you, parents or otherwise that did that? Or was that something you saw? Like, any, any reason you remember? Yeah. So if I were to own a restaurant, I'd be like a third or fourth generation restaurant owner. So like I grew up, I was the kid that was in the back of a restaurant that was not supposed to be distracting the customers, you know? Okay. <laughs> you know? And so, so like I saw my dad at a really young age, like running and operating a restaurant my, after my dad sold the restaurant, my mom and my dad worked on another business together. And so like, I think that was like all I knew as an option. And so like, but, but, you know, kind of going back to that stuff, it's like I saw earlier experiences where it's like I had to figure out. I used to hate the fact that my friends could ask for anything and I had to figure it out. But now I realize that that was that conditioning of like, oh, I don't have this. Now I have to figure out how to get it. That was actually early entrepreneurial training. Like I had one kid yeah. that, you know, I showed this picture of glasses. I had a kid that made fun of me for glasses and I wanted contacts you know, we couldn't pay for contacts. And so I figured out how to sell my Pokemon cards or my, you know, <laughs> you know, like yeah. those kinds of things back in the day. But yeah, to answer your question, it was because of the influence of my parents and seeing that that was kind of how things were done. Well, you know, it's interesting. The, it is, it is funny because all those experiences we have, because so I have a, I will call it a, a, a similar story, but the, the fact of, I started working when I was 11 years old. I had a paper route. Now I'm older than you by many years. I'm 39. So we actually had paper routes back in the day. This was a thing. Um, and so this is back in whatever, the mid nineties. Um, so I had a paper route when I was 11 and my brother had one too. He, my brother is 17 months older. So he had one just started before me and then I, and I got one. But the reason that I share that is 
my, our parents, and, and we were a middle-class family. It's not like we were struggling to put food on the table, but at the same time, I also remember like my parents not giving us anything in terms of like, we, we both played golf. We loved playing golf when we were um, kids and my parents didn't play or anything like that, but they didn't give us any money for golf clubs or anything of that nature. So we had to go. So it was one of those things like, well, if I want something, I have to work hard and earn that. So I've really been working since I think I had that paper out for six years. Mm. Um, so I, the reason I tell that story and maybe, you know, similar to what you saw with your parents was like that work ethic, which I didn't realize was important until really just the last probably five to 10 years, like learn, getting that ingrained, like waking up at five 30 in the morning. And I'm from New York originally, like when it's snowing out and it's a snow day, and you still have to walk and deliver papers when you know your friends are sleeping in, like that's demoralizing for like 11, 12, 13 year old, mm -hmm. but you get that ingrained that, Hey, this is part of life and you have to go through those. So it's just really interesting. Again, you kind of sharing that may, obviously you experience it yourself, but seeing it with your parents, like you got to put the work in to, and it may not feel good at the time, but all those lessons we learn later on in life, it pays off. It's like, wow, actually those hard lessons were maybe the best ones, you know? Yeah, hundred percent. And I would, I would assume too, like those earlier experiences of you doing things the hard way. And then obviously you're an entrepreneur, entrepreneur now, like you have to see it done the crappy way before you kind of try to figure out a new way of doing it. So I feel like most people, especially in college and stuff like that, like you wait for way too long to experiment with what actually you want to be doing. It's like, you look at most college students, it's like you get an internship, your junior or senior year, like that stuff yeah. should be happening in, <laughs> in middle school, if you can, in high school, if you can. So that's really cool that, I mean, you had that, that initiation to do the paper route and stuff like that. And I'm sure that that ethic of starting at a really young age served you in many ways as you've gone on your entrepreneurial journey. Well, yeah, I think the mindset you kind of realize, and we can get into that a little bit more of just how, because I, you know, going down a different path, you know, got me back like, oh, wait a minute, let's remember what helped you when you were younger. Right. Um, so that, that makes more sense then with your, your parent, your, your father owned the business or the restaurant or your parents did that in the business competition that you did like a food trip. So that makes more sense now that, that mm -hmm. they connect the dots there. Okay. Um, what, what did you learn from that experience? Anything you'd share for folks listening? Like when you, and, and maybe it's, I look at this cause I have an almost 10 year old, like anything for parents out there that maybe they could look at now being oh. retrospective of if you had kids and going through a similar experience. A hundred percent. The first thing that popped into my mind, I don't think I've ever shared this on a show before, but like I was on, I had, I went on a business trip a while ago and we had an opportunity to be spend some time on a, on a, on a yacht, just talking about some stuff. And there were these two girls that had a lemonade stand that was on like a little rafter or whatever. And their dad was like encouraging them and helping that he wouldn't, he helped them, I think, set it up, but like he had them completely figure out everything on their own. And so like, I think even, you know, it's, it's really cool to give your kids those challenges because they'll, they'll pick it up if you just give them a little bit of guidance, I think. And this is coming from a non-parent, <laughs> you know, uh, but, but I think that that's really cool because that's exactly what my dad did for me. And you alluded to this business truck or this food truck called the Sizzlin' Ninja, <laughs> because I, I got to compete at this high school competition called DECA and you had to come up with a business plan. And of course, like you said before, I saw my parents owning restaurants. So it was the only idea my 16 year old brain could come up with. 
I competed in state. I ended up taking first place in state, was super excited until the next day. My high ended came, came to an abrupt halt when my advisor slid the packet across the table to all the other people that participated in state and got to go to nationals. And I was leaping through this, this itinerary. Oh, this is all the cool stuff we get to do. And then I hit the end and then it says the cost of the trip <laughs> and it's a thousand dollars and 80 cents or something like that. Uh, and, and I just remember looking at that, like, well, you know, now I had to figure out another way to do it. And like, I, you know, so, so that was where my dad stepped in and he took it as an opportunity to show me this, this beautiful, this, this, this was a turning point of getting started for a moment for me. When my dad introduced me to my first ever mentor, her name was Brenda Campbell. And she uh, was the president of a nonprofit organization. So my dad's like, well, she raises money all the time. Maybe she can show you how to fundraise for this trip. And so I, Brenda, I don't know what she saw in me. I was 16 years old. Most of my friends, I'm just learning how to drive. My age, my, my email address is asianninja221 at gmail.com. <laughs> Not very professional. I guess it matched with the food truck though. Um, but, but she decided to introduce me to some of the high caliber people in her network. So I'm 16 years old and she starts making these introductions and she taught me one thing that completely transformed the way I think about things. But it's, uh, she said, Brandon, if you ask for money, you get advice. But if you ask for advice, you'll get money. I'm like, that's really interesting. It sounds pithy, but I don't really understand what the heck that means. But she's like, let me show you. And so like she introduced me to these people and at, told me that I needed to ask for feedback on my business plan. And I would, so I'd go to these people, I would ask for feedback on my business plan. And then I would ask them afterwards if they'd be willing to support my trip. I'm trying to go to this international trip and blah, 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 blah. And I just like, I remember the first time I got like a check for a hundred dollars. I was like, oh my God, like, like this person decided to invest in me um, and, and, and contribute in me. And that was incredible. And so um, fast forward a few weeks, I'm $500 short to hit the trip. And then Brenda introduced me to one other person and his name is Kevin Kowalki. And he's a kind of a big deal in the area or whatever. So I'm really nervous to talk to this guy. I give my same presentation to him, ask him afterwards if he might be willing to contribute to my trip. And he asked me, how much do you have left to pay for the trip? I'm like, well, I've got two weeks left and I'm $500 short. And he kind of like smiles and he pulls out his checkbook and he, he writes on the checkbook. And of course, I don't want to be rude. So I don't want to stare at what he's writing, but he puts it in an envelope, hands it to me and says, good luck, man. And of course, the first thing I do, what would you do if you're in that situation? You get through the door and the first thing you do is rip open the checkbook. And I found out he wrote me that check for $500. And I, that, that was incredible for me as an experience to see that there are non-traditional ways of doing things. Like if you learn how to invest, like Brenda opened the door, all that was because of one relationship that she transformed everything for me. And so I didn't end up placing at this international competition with my food truck, but that lesson that Brenda taught me of learning how to connect with people and build relationships with people and be sincerely appreciative and grateful of, of the, of like what they do was transformative and has served me in many other ways besides that 16 year old experience that I'd love to share with you guys. But that was the, the biggest takeaway I got from the sizzling ninja is just the possibility of learning how to connect with high level people and the, the doors that it can open for you. Yeah. If you don't ask, you never, you know, you never know. Right. And, and I think that's one of the things to learn is, is I, I've learned this a lot through sales is you're going to get rejected a ton, but those rejections are actually good because you learn from them, right? You learn what to do, what not to do. And plus you realize maybe those aren't the best opportunities anyways, right? If someone doesn't believe in you or doesn't want to do it, like, why would you chase that? 
So it's kind of, it's kind of almost figuring out like that's not the best path. And it almost makes it a little bit easier. I, I found, and it took a while to realize that because you always think you get the door slammed on you. You think that's the end of the world, but if you realize, Oh, that just has less, less doors that you have to worry about, you know, actually that gives you focus. So, yeah. And those are the best opportunities when you actually get the door, if you have that perspective, right? Like, cause then like, yeah. then those are the opportunities to learn, you know, the opportunities for growth never come. I mean, sure. They can come from a yes, but the majority of the time it comes from, uh, I know lots of people you talk about on the show, it's like they had something terrible happen to them. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, you have to learn how to see the value of those tumbles. Um, and, and that's really where the strength comes from. So absolutely love that. I want to ask you this, cause I, I'm actually curious now, it, it made me think of how do you go? So I have to imagine, you know, you're going back to the middle schooler, you know, 13 or so, and you're scared to be in line because, you know, obviously the, the money situation, you're one of the, the poor families in the, in the school and stuff like that. And then obviously you're pitching a business competition, which you win at state or at the state level. Um, what's the delta between that? And I'm going to, I'm going to underscore one word that I'm going to ask is confidence. I'm assuming that 13 year old did not have confidence or was scared or was like, you know, again, you kind of deflected what happened in those few years to gain confidence mm. or did you always have confidence? Maybe you did. I don't know. It's a, it's a great question. I had confidence, but I did not have self-confidence. And I think there's a really strong difference between the two is because I could, everybody would look at me from the outside and look that I was confident, but on the inside, I didn't really necessarily feel as confident. And that's like one of the biggest things that I've started to learn as I've had the pleasure of interviewing some pretty high level people. It's like, there's this quote that comes up all the time until you make the unconscious conscious that will control your life and you will call it fate. And I know it's by Carl Jung, but like, what are those unconscious drivers? What are those unconscious narratives that are causing you to act in certain ways? Because as you manifest things in life or things happen in your life, it's like lots of the time it's because you're acting in ways that you don't even realize that you're, you're fully uh, manifesting. So I, I didn't realize that obviously back then that, that it was, it, it was never, I think I was always able to fake my way through confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, but it was coming from a place of unworthiness of not being enough of not having enough. Um, and you know, it was only recently that I've started as you and I talked before, it's like doing that work and like making sure that the, the, the confidence and the self-confidence is coming from worthiness and, and you, you know, you can do this and, and, and loving yourself uh, more than a place of a void or you're, you're trying to fill a gap based on what you're doing. So it's a small distinguishing factor, but I think it makes a world of a difference is whether it comes from unworthiness or worthiness, the confidence that you're portraying. Well, so as you got out of high school and, and um, you know, growing up, let's, you know, use that right into adulthood, what were you going to do? Like, what was the plan of like, Hey, this is what I'm going to do for a living. Or this is, did you have any ideas, you know, a handful? Cause you're what mid twenties now. I'm 26 now. 26. Okay. So what I'm curious, like 18, 19 year old Brandon versus 26 year old Brandon, like what, how, how is the mindset change in those last, you know, seven or eight years? I think I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur from a very early age. Uh, so that was kind of like always a non-negotiable for me, but the way that that manifested changed a lot. Like in college, I worked on a startup company that ended up not working out too well, but it was a great experience of, you know, working on a startup. And then I, I, I wrote a book um, in college and I was like, this is going to be my thing and I'll, I'll be an author. It was a, it was a book about uh, leveraging, your, leveraging your college experience in non-traditional ways. So I was always experimenting with entrepreneurial things, but my senior year, I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't have like a venture that's ready to go and sustain me. So I ended up 
leveraging some of those connection skills that I learned from Brenda, from being 16, from trying to figure things out. And I reached out to a really successful entrepreneur named Jonathan Levy. And I had a fan of his podcast. And this guy had a you know, TED talk, uh, several million downloads on his podcast. And I was just some 21 year old kid. But I, I looked at him and I sent him an email that was something along the lines of like, hey, Jonathan, loved episode 47 that you did with Noah Kagan. I took it and I implemented it right away. Thank you so much for sharing. After doing a little bit of a deeper dive on your on your what you're up to, I found several ways that I'd love to support you. And here are some project ideas that I could I, I'd love to help you with. Um, and I would love to do it 100% for free. And if you like my work, we can figure out a way to work together. And if not, then you didn't pay anything. So it's not going to hurt. We could just move forward from there. So I, I sent him that email and he responded within like 12 hours. And that one email turned into me running his marketing for three years at, at Superhuman Academy. I was on the team when we added over 100,000 students to our online courses, 1.5 million downloads to his podcast. Obviously, it was a team that was a collective effort that was doing some of that stuff. But um, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, wasn't really working out. But then I saw an alternative path of like, what if I just find somebody who's exactly where I wanted to be, figure out a way to connect with them and support them and them on their journey. And uh, that is where I kind of was able to shortcut years of trial and error, because not only did I have the experience of working behind the scenes of Superhuman Academy, Jonathan got into this really high level group called Genius Network, uh, really exclusive group of entrepreneurs, pretty successful seven, eight, nine figure people, world changer kind of a thing. And Jonathan spent years being an entrepreneur to qualify to be a Genius Network. He gets to his first meeting and he sends me a message on Slack afterwards. He's like, dude, I need you to be here. <laughs> and so I'm like, heck yeah, I'll be there. So I got to leave my you know, I went from the quote unquote dorm room. I wasn't a dorm at the time, but I was in college campus to going to Genius Network and contributing and connecting with really, really high level people, being the youngest person in the room uh, at age 22, learning, learning and from all that kind of stuff. So that was another expansion, long way of answering your question. I knew I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, um, you know, but it, the route of working with Jonathan and learning that kind of stuff before going off on my own uh, was kind of the path that I took. And was, was this about the time with the Genius Network when you said, hey, I'm going to start a podcast? There, there's some opportunity here? Or what was, was that a little longer down the road? It was a little longer down the road. Uh, it, was, it happened after you know, Jonathan had a family and he got married and he just kind of wanted to start taking the business. Uh, like He wanted to kind of automate lots of the business and, and, do, and spend time on his family, which I 100% respect. That's what I love Jonathan for is that he's like uncompromising in his values and he just wanted to be a dad. I'm like, dude, I love that. And so it just didn't make sense the way that he wanted to kind of set up the business uh, that for, for me to continue because uh, I was like, if we're not going to really grow or scale this thing anymore, then like I, I don't really uh, see, see that big of a need for my skill sets here. And so that was kind of the mid-COVID. I decided to jump, <laughs> jump out and start my own stuff and start documenting my entrepreneurial journey. So that's when the whole podcast thing came along. It's like, well, I'm going to start from ground zero and share what I'm learning along the way. And I've been fortunate to connect with some high-level people. So why don't I learn from the best and share what I'm learning on, on a show? And so it's still what I'm up to right now. I'm still uh, a younger entrepreneur. I'm off on my own, but that's the whole focus of the, the show is not being the guru on the mountain, but rather showcasing what I'm learning and sharing from the incredible high-level people that I've had the opportunity of connecting with. Yeah. So what, what have you learned? I'm curious, and maybe this will help folks listening in. Um, on, on connecting, on reaching out and getting people on your show. So we both do podcasts, obviously you're on mine. So what have you learned about actually reaching out to get people saying yes to come on your show um, oh. and being involved, especially when you're early where people don't know you from Adam, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, so I, I, first of all, I'm 
very grateful that you asked this question because I'd love to share a framework for people that they can use. So like anybody that's listening right now that maybe you haven't taken the first step or maybe you have taken the first step, but you want to connect with someone or open the door to a relationship like a Jonathan Levy for me or a Brenda Campbell for me, or maybe you have a podcast and you're looking at adding value and building these relationships. I have a three-part framework. I call it the magic connection method that you can use to open the doors to these incredible relationships. And it's funny, Brian, because I'm going to teach it in a new way that I've never taught before on a show because I came up with a better way of explaining it just this morning. So if I, okay, if I this kinda, is awesome. so, so this is going to be really cool. So I came up with a new acronym because it's three steps. So the, the, the first step is appreciate value and end with the question. So it's, it's the abbreviation is av like Avenue. So it's an Avenue for connecting with someone. That's why I liked it because it didn't spell anything before okay. <laughs> and it wasn't memorable. So you can remember a V E as an Avenue for connecting with the high level people that you love connecting with. So the, the first step is to appreciate. And I guarantee this, Brian, if we stopped right now and I had you open your LinkedIn messages or anybody you can stop right now you can open your linkedin messages or your email and if with somewhere within the last 72 hours you're going to have someone that sent you a message that clearly copied and pasted to a bajillion other people they didn't really take the time to get to know you and they're just trying to sell you something and so the the, the it's funny because when we when we want to reach out to someone the first inclination is i need to establish authority and show how cool i am right like right. For, for them to actually listen to me but when, when you look at the way that you like to be approached, it's, it's a really, it's a turnoff if somebody does that. Like I got one the other day, it was like, I'm the president of blah, blah, blah. I've done blah, blah, blah. And I would love to connect with you. It's like, oh, I'm so cool. And I've taken the time to spend my connection request yeah. on you lowly human, you know, right. <laughs> it's kind of, it was a little bit over the top, but you want to do the exact opposite of that. It's like, you want to take the time to genuinely appreciate the human that you want to connect with. When I first sent that email to Jonathan that changed my life, I listen to his podcast and like, you're listening to a show right now. You could stop and you could say, Hey, Brian, like you transformed my life with episode. I know you're on like 250 or something like that, but maybe it was like 173 when this episode, when they shared this story that actually helped me start my getting started moment. And now I've written a children's book, like Brian, you know, or like, a, a, like, you know, like those, those are the things. So take the time to genuinely appreciate someone and a way that you could do that uh, another way I think about this is something called a loved plus specific formula. So like loved the blog post you write, the podcast episode that you did, uh, you know, whatever that was that they did specifically liked it X, Y, Z. And the only way, the way that you pass the appreciation test is like, if you can copy and paste this to someone else and it still applies, it's not specific enough. It needs to be about the person, about the person you connect with. Like, Hey, Brian, I, I, I saw that. I love you described your, your, your system as compass and you, and that you call yourself a navigator. You know, it's like, that's so cool. I appreciate that about you. So like, like take the time to really care about the person. Cause they're not going to care about what you have to say until you appreciate them first. So that's yeah. the appreciation. Did you want to jump in before I, I go? Well, no, I would, I, no, I love that by the way. And what I was just going to add was the, it, it's how important it is and I see this a lot from, a, again, from the, the sales world, but just showing up, like, this is the, and by the way, I think that your advice can be, it's not just in sending an email. This could be if you're interviewing for a job. This could be if yep. you're, again, if you're in a sales opportunity. I mean, who knows? This could be dating someone because the reality is there's so much information nowadays. If you can't find something on someone, then you're not probably doing enough work. It probably takes a minute or two of research, right? Where someone can easily, again, type my name, say, oh, yeah, has a podcast or has this or that. Go on LinkedIn. Oh, I saw you were at this company. Like anything to be specific. 
there's so much information out there. Someone has an Instagram page or Twitter or whatever. So it's, it, I don't want to, well, I'm going to use the term. It's lazy to show up somewhere and not know anything about the person. There's no preparation. It means you don't care, you know? Yeah. A hundred percent. And, and I, I want to put a caveat to this because it's like, my philosophy is a hundred zero on relationships. I think I heard this originally from Brian Kurtz. It's like, I want to figure out a way to contribute and add value. Like this isn't some kind of manipulation tactic to like, right. you know, sell someone something. It's like, I, I, I genuinely want to figure out ways that I can help and support the people that I reach out to. And I, I, anytime that I violated that rule in my life, I've regretted it, you know? So it's like, this isn't something that, that like you want to like try to push on someone and it takes a long-term perspective and a long-term approach. But I think yeah. if you handle yourself this way, it creates exponential value. So yeah. 100%. Well, it's being that go get, you know, Bob Berg talked about a go giver yeah. mentality, right? Yep. It's like go. And, and that's, I, again, you and I are very similar. I think in that it's like, yeah, maybe there is some value on the other side of it, but it's like, you're reaching out because you actually do care and you want to give value to someone. You want to be able to help them out, you know, yep. instead of, yeah, the, the, manipulation tactic which i'm sure people do or or you generally you can tell those though you get enough of those generic messages i get them on linkedin all the time oh my gosh it's like you can tell because it's like oh i'll actually i don't know if you do this i'll accept the a connection just because i want to confirm my thesis that oh i'm going to get a message that in the next day or two that's going to be automated again by mm -hmm. this person just to confirm like oh yeah i was correct in the, mm -hmm. it, it just in the, in the psyche of like, this looked automated. This looked like it was a general mass message. And then sure enough, it kind of gets hit with a, you know, uh, Hey, by the way, you know, like yeah. follow up in a day or two. So anyways, hundred um, percent. so that's the A. So, and then the V is what? Value. So yeah. I, I used to, I used to call this the irresistible offer. Um, but I think it's, it's very succinctly framed as value. And I, it's like, I always like to think about from the perspective of the person that I'm reaching out to, what is the value that I can provide them? Right. And so like, if you going back to, I love you asked me, we got to talk about my story with Jonathan, because I can keep using that as a reference. It's like, I, as a founder, as an entrepreneur, you have so much stuff going on. It's like, and, and the one, one of the core human things that we all need is we all need perspective. We all need perspective. You can like the, the story I'll tell is like, I'm a huge spike ball player. Uh, so for you don't know, spike ball is if you're listening, it's that weird. If you've been at a beach, you see someone with a little trampoline and there's four people kind of hitting things around. And so uh, it's, it's becoming a big sport. It's like not just a leisurely thing, but I'm trying to figure out this new serve. Right. And, and I, I realized that there was no way that I could hit this new serve if I didn't video record myself because I couldn't see what the heck I'm doing. And as human beings, this is one of the biggest values and how we've become the dominant species on the planet is because we can see other people the way, because you have an external perspective, you can provide feedback. It's how athletes improve, but it's like the same thing for business. It's like you have this really incredible opportunity where if you can take the time to see from an external perspective, what this other person might want, that is incredibly valuable because they can't see it. They literally cannot see it. There's this quote, you can't read the label from inside the jar. Everybody's inside of a jar. You're inside of a jar. If you're inside of a pickle jar, you can't read the nutrition facts outside the label until someone tells you, <laughs> you know, what it said. So, so think about it from the perspective of the person that you're reaching out to for Jonathan it was like I, I mean I had lots of time on my on my hands but it was like I came across several projects that I knew would be valuable for him that he probably knew needed to be done but he just didn't have the capacity to do it and I know you're thinking like okay maybe you don't have the time to do all the research and like and like do free work for everyone but you know going back to what Brian's comment was before it's like if you have a podcast um, and I would highly encourage anyone to have a podcast, but it's like you become an elite connector of resources, of people, of, of ways that you can contribute and add value. So it's like, 
um, you know, like always thinking about it from the other person's perspective. And so if I think about, you know, what Brian's looking for, it's like, I know Brian cares so much about you listening right now. He's in, he's been doing this since 2017. He cares about you and helping you to get started. And he doesn't want someone to come on the show and start pitching their, their crap to you. <laughs> you know, right. it's like, so you like, you want some of the value. He wants great guests. Like those are some things that I know Brian is looking for. And after we hop on this call, I want to figure out like, maybe I can connect Brian with some other awesome guests or people that are that are supporting him so like those are ways that you could think about adding value to people or if you have a show same thing it's like i want to reach out add value to you maybe i can connect you to some of the other other people that have been on my show or provide you some resources so think about it from their perspective there's i'll, I'll end on this this section uh there's this quote by dean jackson a compelling offer is 10 times more powerful than a convincing argument a compelling mm -hmm. offer is 10 times more powerful than a convincing argument. There's so much in this world of rooftop marketing, of people screaming from the rooftops about buying stuff and add, this isn't where you put your sales pitch as a way to add value to someone. Right. You really need to figure out a way to add value to them, right? And so it takes time, it takes homework, but like these are the relationships that really create exponential value at the end. So I'll, I'll, stop, I'll stop for a second there again, Brian. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's all relevant stuff. I, I think because when you, when you take the sales or marketing approach, the shout from the rooftop, what you're doing is you kind of, we'll, we'll kind of use like a, a funny phrasing here. It's like, you, like the avatar of the person you're shouting at, you have it all the same. It's like the, it's like in the future, right? We all wear the same outfits and as the alien species, right? And, and uh, that's not how it is. Everyone's different. Everyone has a different you know, need that they potentially have or life events that are happening or anything like that. So yeah, going into it with a very generic mindset is just, it's, again, it's lazy. It's just an old way of doing it. It might've worked 10 years ago when automation was a new thing and no one really thought about it. But nowadays, I think, I think most folks are fairly savvy to, to get a message because I, I bet you do the same. I get so many messages for like to be a podcast guest. And I could tell really straightforward when they didn't do their homework mm -hmm. and it was just a very generic long pitch because it starts out, you know, with something with like, oh, that could sound whatever. And then they go right into the so-and-so's done this, 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 they'd be yep. a great value for your, you know, again, nothing about, well, Brian, I think this would, this would help out your audience because you did X, Y, and Z, or you had so-and-so on, which is really similar to, you know, again, it doesn't take a long time, but you just have to have that perspective, as you're saying, to know that, okay, who is my audience that I'm actually trying to get to? Who is this person? And then how should I write? Um, you know, how should I write this? So yeah, hundred percent. And just to add on top of that, you, you know, you may be thinking as well as, as Brian and I are talking, it's like, yeah, this takes a lot of work. But if you if you look at like I guarantee in your life, you've had somebody that has created a domino for you, that has created a massive impact for you. What was the value of that one relationship for you? Like your life would not be the same without that one relationship. For me, it was Brenda or Jonathan, like those kinds of people. Or if you're thinking about a business perspective, like there are clients that have significant like, like they, they add a lot of value as far as a, a monetary component to your, your business. Like they may be very high value customer, but like those relationships require time and building, you know, and nobody likes, there's lots of this language today about closing or prospecting and like, it's, and, and you're a sales guy, Brian, so which I, I, I'd love to hear your perspective on this, but it's like, um, you know, you like, it, it sounds in the language of being closed. I, I feel like from the other person's perspective, like, oh, I was just closed, you know, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like those times where you don't get the time to really connect with someone. And so I feel like I, I, I created, came here I am with all the acronyms. So like, here's another acronym that I came up with the other day, because I looked at the commonalities of the best relationships that I have in my life. 
And I, I realized this acronym spells real. So real relationships. So respectful, effortless, appreciative, and loving. Those are the real relationships in your life, right? And so like, it, you're not going to get those kinds of relationships unless you are reaching out in a way that is adding value to people. Mm, I like that. Respect. Respectful, effortless, appreciative, and loving. Okay. Yeah, that's that's really good. I, yeah, because I've been thinking about this from a relationship standpoint of the the four pillars, respect, trust, support, and communication. Mm-hmm. Which I think we can probably mirror all those in the, in the in the context of yeah those those if you have those that's a that's a pretty good relationship or at least close to it you know not that yeah. some of those don't get chopped down every once in a while and you have challenges but I, I think that and that and that goes back to when you write messages whether it's again auditory or it's an email or whatever um, building that trust early on right yeah that there's some and- mutual respect here when you when you just shout like again, very automated message, or you don't sound authentic. I know most people are probably similar to me where it's like, this person doesn't, again, they don't respect my time or what I'm doing. They're just trying to get, it's, it's a numbers game. That's why I hate when the sale, oh my gosh, you pull me down a sales rabbit hole here because I was just gonna, I do I want to hear your perspective on this because it's like, I know you coach, you coach entrepreneurs on sales and stuff like that. So I'd love to hear your thoughts yeah. on, on this. It's, it's so, it's just frustrating because the, I mean, listen, we're human beings and sales are human and it's a one-to-one conversation and it's having empathy and compassion and realizing like whatever product or service we might be selling, they, they meaning the person that we're working with, um, the potential, you know, a partner or client, they have a hundred other things going on in their life. But for some reason, I've seen this so much. And probably because I used to see this in myself when I was a younger sales rep was like, we think that we're, the thing we're selling is the only thing that's important. Like, oh, why aren't they getting back to me today? Or why haven't they signed yet? Or why haven't this, this, this? And when you actually change your perspective on it and realize, wait a minute, maybe something happened with one of their family members. Oh, 100%. maybe they, maybe they had a, their car broke down. Maybe their kid's sick, maybe insert a million things. Right. And when you start opening up and having empathy, it's like, wow. Okay. Well, that gives me an opportunity to, and this is where, you know, yeah, I coach a lot of folks on setting better timelines, having deeper communication early on, understanding what, what value do we bring to them and vice versa, you know, it, because it has to be a mutual relationship. I, I'm a big yeah. fan. I, I don't think you can just like the whole closing business. I don't think it's good to just bring anyone on. I think they 100%. have to be a good client. And especially if you're a smaller business, if you're like a service-based business, like if you're not working with great clients that match your values, ooh, that could be detrimental down the road. Either, you know, that's going to be a poor, sour relationship. It might be a bad reference down the road. Like there's a lot of things that could go wrong. So the, the quick win, if you will, is not always relevant. It's always... You know, like we talked about before, like getting the no sometimes is not a bad thing if it's not the right fit. So you have to know that going into the conversation that is this a good fit or not? And being able to confirm that on each and every call. So I think it's, it's a lot of um, the, lot of the issue is on the sales professional or business owner, whoever it is, meaning set clear expectations, understand like, okay, what timeline is the client on? What are they trying to accomplish? Are we meeting that? And let's keep checking those boxes. And ultimately you'll get to a partnership. But what happens a lot of time when some, and and this is hopefully good advice for folks listening in. If you don't have a clear timeline, if folks aren't getting back to you, 
if you're having challenges, maybe it's even a budget issue. Well, that's on you because you haven't set those expectations early on. You haven't opened the dialogue and have those deep, what, what I would consider difficult conversations, but you have to have those conversations because it is a business relationship. It's yeah. not one-sided. Yeah, I just, I, you, you said so much gold there. I want to highlight one thing that you said. I always love sharing wisdom that's come from the guests that have come on my show. Um, have you met Steve Sims, Brian? Do you know Steve Sims? or heard I haven't, I, I'm not familiar okay. with that name. I'll share really quick. He shared this uh, analogy on, on my show that was just so powerful for me. So Steve Sims, he has this VIP concierge for like billionaires. Like he could, he's the guy that can make anything happen. He got people married by the Pope in the Vatican. He okay. got, he closed down David's, he closed down the academia in Florence to get his clients a private dinner in front of Michelangelo and then had Andrea Borcelli come in and serenade them like crazy stuff. Like the dude can make anything happen. And uh, he tells the story on my show about how he actually got his start as a bouncer. Um, and he was a bouncer at nightclubs and he realized that he could solve for 99% of the problems that would happen inside of his club by controlling his front door more effectively. Mm -hmm. Cause it's like, if you see someone that might be a little bit of a problem and you let them in, that's what caused the, the, the issue inside of the club is like, you let them through the door to begin with. Right. So mm -hmm. like everybody inside of their business has a door. They have like people that you're building inside of your, inside of your business. So like exactly like you said, client selection is so important. Um, like of, of having this real boundaries conversation and you're trying to get a fit if, if it's, if the values are aligned, exactly like you said, because it's like, you know, you're not going to get them the results. They're not going to have a good time if you are just trying to close them into your thing or whatever. So I love that. And I think that's a really powerful analogy for everyone to think about what's the front door inside of your business and how are you setting up opportunities and systems um, to really get to know the people that you're, you're uh, letting into your world. That's a, yeah, that's a great analogy. I, I, I really like that because it does come down to the time management part of this that again, we haven't really discussed is if let, let's say you do a mass going back to the mass automation, right? Oh, I'm going to send out, I have 5,000 emails. We're just going to hit, you know, send and it goes out. Great. Awesome. But who are those people? Are they your ideal client? And when I think an ideal client, I first, I try to go as niche as possible. Like, okay, I sell and do X in, you know, let, let's say I is, oh, I sell uh, to software companies. Okay. What type of software companies? Oh, well, they are doing 50 to hundred million dollars in business. Okay. How many employees do they have? You know, you start going down, are they marketing softwares? Are they, and I'm just making this up on the fly, but like you get really niche. Now you can have better conversations because if not, imagine you send out the 5,000 emails today and you get a hundred lead quote unquote leads back in great well now you have to have a hundred conversations maybe and disqualify 90 of them because mm -hmm. they're not even close to yeah that's great you got some buzz right there's some traffic but it's a waste of your efforts but if you got hyper specific and maybe you only got 15 in how much better are those conversations because they know exactly because that's the big thing a lot of folks get lost on like if someone comes to your website like i don't know if if you ever heard this, um, like stories about this, but someone come, I've, I've had this before, different companies have been asked, like they come to their website and they don't know what you do. You know, they're like, ah, oh, we don't really know what you do. Well, that's a big issue mm -hmm. because you're trying to be everything to everybody versus yeah. very, very specific to like, this is who I help out with. And that was with like the, the sales coaching stuff. I really had, and, and I probably could get even more specific, but I had to figure out like, where do I feel a gap is and where actually it really came down to not only just a gap, just friends of mine that were struggling. And I noticed, oh, there are a couple employee organizations 
that don't, they don't have the budget of a sales force. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have these massive organizations, but they don't know how to sell because they're a co-founder that's has a tech background, you know? Yeah. So that, you know, I think it's, it's kind of figuring out where those gaps are and then going very niche because there's a market for it potentially. hundred percent. And you said, you said another thing that was super, super valuable there is the word specificity. Right. Because it's like, that's another pattern. So like, I'm in this point right now where it's like, I'm actually going to, I'm, I'm training for a marathon right now. So I'm like, I'm re I'm actually using Wonderful. the time for all my running to re-listen to all my old episodes and come okay. up with the pattern, the patterns that I see amongst all these people. And one of the things that I know without even having gone too deep is this concept of specificity. And it, 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 when I try to say patterns, I'm trying to look at a really high level, not necessarily what they're saying, but what's behind what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And if you look at lots of these incredibly successful people specificity is something that is really really important especially in your languaging exactly like you're saying it's because if you try to think about like the value that you can add to people you can articulate it in a way that you know it may be kind of close but if it's not specific enough they can't really grasp onto it and relate to it so if you're if you're promising more time more freedom you have to drill down several layers deeper to figure out what that actually means Mm -hmm. and so i feel like that's a that's a thing that i've seen at a high level is not only are people clear on what they want, the specificity of what they want in their journaling, in their thinking, in the way that they communicate. But I just love that you mentioned specificity as a, a point because it's really important. Well, you, you talked about kind of some of the mentors that helped you. And that's, you know, I always give a shout out to Rich Keller, who's been a mentor for me the, the yeah. last couple of years. And I finally actually got to meet him in person for the first time. Oh, honestly. that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I've seen him on Zoom enough where, uh, well, I did see him in person speak, but I never got to meet him back three years ago. But um the reason I mentioned him is he, you know, you mentioned navigator. He's the one that helped me discover my one word as a navigator. And because I, you know, early on, it was like, oh yeah, I have a podcast or I do coaching or I do, I have these children's books. And and he really got me realizing he's like, Brian, those are just products and that's going to confuse people, but you're a navigator to help people to just get started that's your bit, like that's your niche. That's your business. You are a navigator. Will you help navigate people through writing children's books about getting started, through coaching about getting started in sales, through podcasting, because you have guests on to help, you know, so now it all comes under that category of being a navigator and, mm-hmm. and the whole just get started mission I have. And I, it didn't ever click to me until we started to work it together of all the stuff I was doing was all under that. But I was thinking at it, I think like a lot of people do of just products. Oh, we have this new product or that new product. Well, people get confused. They're like, wait, I thought you did this, but now you're telling me you do that. You know what I'm saying? And that confused the market. So to get really hyper-focused and and the specificity around, okay, no, Brian, you're a navigator and you help navigate people to just get started. That is your promise to people of what you're going to deliver. But you can deliver in a variety of ways now that you've established that. Yeah. And, and just to tie into one other thing that we talked about before, again, perspective, like you cannot see, you could not see that that was the connection between all the stuff that you had without your Rob, was that his name? I'm sorry. I did. Oh, Rich, Rich Keller. Rich, Rich, Rich. Okay. Yeah. I started with an R, uh, but you know, without Rich, like you wouldn't have been able to see those patterns, which is really, really cool that, that he was able to highlight in that for you. Yeah. Um, Brent, let me ask you that. I could probably talk to you for another couple hours. Maybe we'll have to do a part two just on podcasting. Cause that would oh, be let's fun. Do it, Maybe that would be a really fun to go deep into the whole, you know, just setting up a podcast, editing, all that stuff. I always like to do that if we can. Um, what would be your advice? So someone's listening in, they're looking to get started. Maybe it is with a podcast. Maybe there's a business. Maybe it's just to think differently. 
anything you've learned in your journey here uh, that you would share maybe to, to kick them in the, in the pants and get yeah. going? I, I want to not leave in a dot, dot, dot for people. I want to get the E and ACE really, or avenues for people. So appreciate value and end with a question. And then I will answer that question because it's, it's, it applies together. So just talking about what we talked about before you took the time to appreciate someone, you added value to them. The last one is end with a question. So um, like the, the way that I, I do this, I, there's multiple, there's multiple pieces of wisdom that come into this, but at the end of the day, it's like, you don't want to shove th something in someone's face you want to leave them with the perspective of like the, the they can lean in and find out more instead of you saying do this thing or like here's a link book a time with me right so it's like you took the time to appreciate them you found something to add value the way that i would end something is 100 percent up to you but would you be opposed to me sending over next steps or something like that and so like again allowing them to just lean in and say yeah i'm interested and think about how easy it is to respond to that you could just say yeah sounds good send, send over next steps or or no and like you look think about all the emails that are hard for you to answer. They're the ones that require you to go do X, Y, Z, blah, 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 blah. This is very skimmable. You show that you care, you added value. They see it, enter the question, they can respond right away. And it's super, super easy for them. So I wanted to put a bow on that in case there was a huge question that. mark in people's head. Uh, but like, let's go back to that. That thing is I would like, I would challenge you if I could light a fire underneath your butt today for you listening. It's like, there is somebody that maybe you've been afraid to reach out to. Like maybe, maybe somebody that you know could transform your life, or maybe it's like a, a potential high value client, or maybe it's that person that want to help you write the book or whatever it is. Just, just experiments like there's no, like the worst thing that can happen is they don't respond like like or or maybe mm -hmm. they and especially if you took the time to do all this like they're not gonna <laughs> you're not gonna get someone that says like screw you go to you know it's just like it's just not gonna happen right so i would encourage you to think about what is that one relationship that would really transform you take the time to research them take the time to appreciate them think about what the value that is that they need and simply conclude with 100 up to you but would you be opposed to me sending over next steps to make it happen very simple uh but i think that it would open up the doors to some incredible relationships and conversations. And, um, you know, whether you do this uh, again or not is totally up to you. But I think if you get in the habit of doing this, think about the next time you're sending an email, some, next time you're sending a message, it doesn't have to be a cold outreach, like take the time to appreciate someone, take the time to think about what they need help and support with and, and go from there. So I think lots of these elements can be added. And uh, man, Brian, I just appreciate you so much. I appreciate the, the value that you're providing people and helping people to get started. So hopefully some, some of the, the, the avenues that you can take AVE can help you to open the door to maybe getting started on some powerful things inside of your life. Awesome. No, I, and I appreciate your workshopping that on the, uh, the podcast the first time. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, nice Avenue, uh, AVE. So that's awesome, dude. Um, where can folks say hello to you online? Check you out. What's the best, uh, best spots? Yeah, hundred percent. So the easiest place is if you, well, first of all, send me an email. I'm starting to do this on podcast now. So like Brandon at brandonfong.co, literally just shoot me an email. It's the easiest way. Um, if you want to find out my, listen more about my podcast and some of the incredible humans that I've had the opportunity of bringing on the show, uh, you can check out seven figure millennials, wherever you're listening to this again, this is, it's all about prioritizing your happiness, health and relationships as we make our entrepreneurial dreams a reality. So, um, you know, I'm still on my journey to build my first seven figure business myself. I'm sharing everything that's working along the way. And so if you want to find out and follow along that journey and learn from some incredible humans, that's the best thing. So, um, yeah. And I, I hate to conclude with so many different things here, Brian, but if people wanted a checklist for like that, that AVE, even though it's not spelled out that way, um, people can go to bfo.ng slash S for just get started. And uh, I'll make sure that you can figure out an easy way to 
apply that so that you have a PDF to, to go through. And if, uh, if I didn't check with you ahead of time, if you want to edit that out, I'm so sorry. No, 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 <laughs> but, that's perfect. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Um, dude, this has been awesome. I appreciate you coming on and sharing the, the wisdom with everyone and uh, good luck on your journey going forward. Sounds good. Thank you, Brian. And thank you for listening. I appreciate you both. Hey, everyone. And just one more quick thing before you head off on your day. If you're enjoying this podcast and are looking for other resources and tools to help you get started and move forward toward a happier and more fulfilling life, then I'd encourage you to head over to my website, brianondraco.com, and hit the subscribe button in the upper right corner. There you can find my newsletter and blog subscriptions, where I share insights and information around getting unstuck, perspective, mindset, relationships, habits, and much more. If you get a chance to sign up, I hope you enjoy. Thanks again for listening in and have a phenomenal day.